So, welcome to the Fuck the Stigma podcast today. I have Julie and Sean here with me. Um, Good morning. <laughs> uh, I wanted to, yeah, so I brought you guys on here today to talk about Safe at My House, and I kind of want to know what it's about and like why it started. So, what is it? Yeah, um, Safe at My House is our 501c3 nonprofit that we started to help youth and the vulnerable population uh, be provided with better life choices. Meaning what? Better life choices. <laughs> um, well, we provide the resources that youth and the vulnerable population need to make better life choices. Okay. So we have a database of all sorts of resources. We also have a peer support program that we are currently working on where um, we, uh, we have mentorship, uh, tutoring, and sponsoring if you're an AA we can provide you a sponsor mm. and we can provide so we also take um, people who've been in AA or are members of AA or just got out of detox or residential and we take them and we place them at different detox facilities to do book studies and things like that yeah so you just kind of get help them get started yeah it's kind of that awesome. 12 step in <laughs> We like to be that extra helping hand. Um, we also aim to provide youth with the resources and tools to thrive free of addiction, bullying, and violence. Mm -hmm. um, originally, we started because the foster youth was aging out at 18 and then kind of being kicked out on the streets. It turns mm, out a lot of the homeless population true. is aged out foster youth. So we wanted to be that extra helping hand that can provide them with resources so that they don't have to be on the streets yes. and turn to drugs and prostitution and violence and things like that. Yeah, I was actually just talking about this. Like some people go into sex work not because like they want to, but it's like the only thing they know and like the almost their only option. Yeah. To they, like survive. They have another no other options. It's survival mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we want to be like that extra helping hand that can provide them with the tools that they need. We, we offer tutoring, we offer, you know, uh, resources to get food and clothing and- Transitional living. Transitional, Transitional living. Like sober yeah. living, yeah. Yeah, sober livings. Um, we also help people with, uh, we'll do panel speaking or getting panels together and bringing them to the detoxes or uh, treatment facilities. Oh, you guys do panels. Yes, mm -hmm. we do. I did one on Thanksgiving uh, men's, uh, treatment facility that's awesome Mesa. and it's a tradition that my sponsor does every year mm -hmm. because um, he had a thanksgiving episode where he wasn't welcome with his family so him and another gentleman decided that when they first got sober that they were going to do this treatment facility and traditionally they've done it every year and that's this awesome. year i got to i got to be a part of that and it was kind of cool yeah i imagine i like i want to do some panels yeah. I want to get into it. Uh, we have lots of uh, resources. I have people reaching out, um, asking for participants all the time. Fuck yeah. We have a database that you can um, register on. and you On can, your website? Yes. If you go to peer support registration, mm -hmm. get yourself signed up and we'll, we'll place you somewhere. All right. Um, so I, how did you guys kind of get started? Um, originally, I got started by um, my nephew. He came home one day and he was like in a heap on the ground in the driveway and I was like what are you doing and he's like uncontrollably sobbing and I was like what's going on and he muttered out his best friend's name and I'm like oh no like you know that that sobbing like something bad yeah like happened. a gut feeling and or something he told right. me that a couple of the boys that had been in my house you know many times his friends a little altercation broke out at one of the guy's houses and he shot his best friend and killed him 
Oh, your nephew witnessed that. No, my nephew wasn't there, but it was his best friend. Oh. You know, he could have very well been there. Yeah. And his best friend was always at our house. Like, I remember this goofy, funny kid, like, always being at our house. And, like, now he's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. It was just such a shock. Like, how do you call the young boy's mom as the other kid's mom and say, hey, I'm sorry, but, you know, your son didn't make it. Like, didn't make it over didn't make it where like what do you mean like he didn't make it he passed away um so I have my own kids up and coming and I don't want them to feel like you know they've got to just constantly be looking over their shoulder I feel like the parents need to be responsible like why did this kid have access to a gun in his mother's home they're not old enough to to live on their own they're not even 17 Mm -hmm. You know, what happened in this young man's head to where he decided that I'm just going to go off and shoot my friend? Like, yeah. Why would you think that that's, like, the way to settle an argument? Wait, so to understand the story better, who shot the, the kid? Okay, so there's, it's two boys. There's Ashton Alruz and Zachary Pickerel. Ashton Alruz went over to Zachary Pickerel's house. Zachary had his girlfriend over there and his neighbor friend over. And, um... Ash, or Zachary was cleaning his gun and loading it and Ashton and him got into like a little argument over you know something like music or just something like not a big deal and um, Zachary lifted the gun into Ashton's face and said are you afraid to die and Ashton said you better shoot me and he shot him right in the in, gee yeah. how old were they 17 17 mm-hmm. the kid, both of them yeah well the mom was at work like, and then, you know, after, I believe Zachary said something like, oh, fuck, you know, like he just realized what he did. But it's still like, that's not how we handle our, our yeah. you know, our conflict. And these kids these days, they're not learning conflict resolution. No, they result to violence. Because yeah. like, I mean, we're, we're human. We get angry mm-hmm. and like we have a like a almost like a fight instinct a little bit. And it's. That's what makes us different from, like, animals a little bit is that we have, like, we can rationalize and, like, be like, oh, okay, I I don't have to result to anger in this situation. We can talk this out. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't learn that because they see their their parents, like, being aggressive. Like, that's how they're uh, resolving things. Yeah. Um, So it's just very shocking to know that this happened in, like, our own neighborhood, Mm -hmm. our safe town of Yorba Linda, where, you know, it's the land of gracious living that the kids are resulting to drugs and violence in such a manner that people are getting killed. Mm -hmm. And then not to mention, you know, another driving force is this fentanyl epidemic. Oh, for sure. These kids are dying in masses and they're not even getting the chance to make all the bad decisions and and learn. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's no learning. Like it's, you do it and die. It yeah. goes from addiction to death. I mean, yes. Or experimentation to death. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing a lot of that. And uh, one of the things that I am working towards is the harm reduction in Narcan distribution and education and all these things that we can help people with. We're trying also, we have this uh, Safe at My Schools program that we're trying to implement at this time. Mm, what's yeah. Safe at, what, what are you guys thinking for that? Um, Safe at My School is a buddy system through the schools uh-huh. where we kind of have like a school club where the kids can kind of sign up and get involved with being 
mentors or just promoting like the anti-violence and the anti-addiction and kind of kind of to make it cool and generalize it a little bit okay that it's cool now it's cool to like not be on drugs it's cool to like thrive in life and get good grades Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of the kids nowadays are in this mindset that it's of rebellion of rebellion yeah, and like of, that's of the cool thing to do prosti- doing what like not prostitution but promiscuity oh promiscuity yes um yeah like doing what you're supposed to do like to succeed isn't the it's like i don't want to do that i want to go the i want to what's what's the word i'm it's like another i want to go against like the norm a little bit yeah yeah right. i think a lot of it too uh, stems from a lot of single parenting and a lot of you know, children at home by themselves, and you know, I, I don't want to knock gaming, but the gaming violence oh, and sure. you know, movie violence, whatever, wherever they're picking it up from, or maybe they're from a broken home and there's you know, drug addiction in the home, and there's violence in the home, domestic violence, and then they're taking that to schools, and then that's the solution because that's what they're growing up with. Yes, exactly. And so we're trying to do something where we can actually have an impact on some of that to where we can steer some some kids not all of them all obviously Mm -hmm. uh, but some steering some kids into something better and in having a safe place you know yeah maybe talking about you know a lot of a lot of the schools these days have mental health counselors on the school grounds they do yeah Hmm. i mean i didn't have that when i was but i have two teenage twin boys who just started high school and I asked them, I go, do you, do you guys have a mental health counselor? And they go, yeah, we do. You know, and they had like a gun scare at the beginning of the year where they were telling me that the school got shut down and they were locked down and all these things because somebody brought an AR-15 to school. Oh. And it's just like, I don't understand. Like, we didn't have any of that stuff when I was going to school. It is, like, you know, Columbine to now, it's just like so prominent that like every other month you're hearing about, you know, school violence and yeah. school shootings and it's just ridiculous, you know, and I I just, when I met Julie, I saw what she was doing and I just thought this needs to be bigger. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to the Young Arts Festival, I was introduced to, to Julie by her husband and so we clicked and then he asked me to to check out this event that she was putting on. And I thought, this needs to be bigger. Mm-hmm. I really did. I thought what she was doing and helping these young girls with arts and being creative and selling their little um, art. ceramic Yeah, art. ceramic they pottery. Had little, they had a two-year-old that was doing hand painting, painting and, stuff, and yeah. figure painting. And it was just so, so cute. But I just thought it could be something bigger. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be a part of it. And I told her that, you know, I, I would love to do something to help you. And ever since then, yep. they made me a board member, which I feel very honored about. And I'm just really just trying to help her build her resources and come up with new ideas and things that we could do to make this grow. Because we are in the formative stages. So yes, we are sure. small. And we are seeking corporate donations right now and stuff like that, you know. So we'd like to we like to do a lot more, but we're having a fundraising event in May. In May, yeah. Doing, oh, we are too, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing uh, a beach cleanup down yeah. in Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. And so um, bringing volunteers in, maybe getting some youth involved, maybe having uh, just a little event just to promote and also to to 
clean up the community as well and just get some awareness. I love it, dude. I love, I love what this is and like it's growing and it's only going to get bigger. Right, right. So this is just, like I said, we're in the formative stages Mm -hmm. and you know, just a handful of us that we meet every Friday and have our little board meetings and then do stuff like this. Like she asked me to do this. I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, I'll go to Topanga with you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the drive was gorgeous. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, I'm just, I'm at a point in my life where I get to, I work for myself, so I get to choose my schedule. And I do a lot of service work. I do a lot of volunteer work for uh, some places that are in Orange County that, that are food drive banks and, you know, just doing whatever I can. I manage this over living myself mm-hmm. and I have 20 guys under me and I do regional management for them. We have 16 houses. and So I get to be a part of a lot. And I love being in recovery and I love being something positive in life today rather than my past life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, to clear up the the stigma, we're both in recovery. Um, A lot of our board members are in recovery. Um, A lot of our functions and functionality is recovery based and 12 step based. Um, You can't really clean up the youth if you don't clean up yourself you know like you can't have it definitely starts with you yeah yeah yes you can't have addiction going on and, and thrive in life so mm-hmm. we, we like to be that support that is like you can come to us with your addiction problems and we'll try to help you we'll, we'll get you resources we'll do whatever we can mm-hmm. to help you and if you mess up it's okay we're still here you yeah know what i mean so um something that we've also been working on with uh the safe at my school program is putting together a gen z advisory board What's up? Um, so it's a council of Gen Z and they just give us, you know, what what's going on with them, what they're into, you know, we get them involved in things, um, such as the beach cleanup. There will be a, our Gen Z advisory board will be there. And it's just, it's Gen Z. So it's the youth that yeah. we're trying to target that we're trying to help. Yeah. And we're getting them involved in as much as we can. Like he, he mentioned the Young Entrepreneurs Art Festival that we did. And we also did a zombie bash and... Um, both these events were the youth helped the Gen Z youth and advisory council helped me to put this on this event. Like they were in, had their hands in it all everywhere. Um, they helped me manage it. They helped me build it. They helped me, you know, throw it all of it. And then they even got to have their own specific booths to whatever it was that their entrepreneurial arts um, was not specific to art. But um, some of the girls uh, that came, they were selling their art. They got to receive money for selling their art. So instead of selling their body or selling drugs, they got to feel validated for something they created. Yeah. You know, um, it, was, sure. it was really special. It was really awesome. You can see that on our website, uh, the videos from that, and also on our uh, social medias. We have Instagram and uh, Facebook at Safe at My House. And then our website is safeatmyhouse.org. Mm-hmm. Now, Gen Z is uh, 18 to 24. I kind of, I want to, everybody gets it mixed up. We don't discriminate, though. We don't (laughs) deny anybody. Um, We we aim to target. Gen X or something like that. We aim to target younger because the younger you can get them, the more of an impact you have. Yeah, Gen Z is people born between 1997 and 2012. So ages right now from 12 to 26. 12 to 26, what did I say, 15 to 25? I said 18 to 24. To to be more politically correct, 12 to 26. We feel like if you can get them younger, you have 
more of a chance of impact much more of yes yeah so that's sure. where so it your comes in with our, our school program and our gen z advisory council is to get these kids feeling good about the good things they do because mm -hmm. there's so much out there right now like promoting the bad things like vaping and and <laughs> violence and promiscuity and we just want these kids to realize some of the choices that they make today will affect them in years to come and it will follow them and they won't be able to get the job that they want because they have a criminal record or you know it just it's it's not good for them to just destroy blah, a big blah, blah, thing blah. is like the media like people everybody's promoting like call of duty every kid wants to play it even i wanted to play it at like eight years old like just, and my mom was like concerned about it. Like, why are you killing people on a video game? Um, and then the the news in general, it's all fear based. Like, what's going on in Russia, for example? I don't really know what's going on in Russia, but like, it's just like we all focus on the violence and the bad stuff, yeah. and then it's just getting thrown at the youth at a young age, and it's like they're growing up fear based, and fear generates anxiety and depression, which in turn, like, like how do I cope with this anxiety and depression? Let's go to substances exactly. let's go to unhealthy coping mechanisms let's go to like oh when i feel angry i'm just gonna burst out in violence yeah you know what i mean did you know gen z has like the highest depression rates of like any generation before i didn't know I that i mean people lived through the great depression and they were less depressed than the teens are now mm -hmm. i believe it though it's crazy like these kids don't stand a chance to have healthy mental health. Mm. Somebody really needs to get in there and start doing something. And that's where we come in is we want to be the ones to help make sure these kids grow up in a positive light and have the resources they need, the safe spaces they need to thrive free of addiction, bullying and violence and just feel good about themselves being them. Like what happened to being yeah. creative and being the oddball that like, it's okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Something you said something you said earlier about um like school shootings. I I didn't graduate school like too long ago. I graduated l last year. Mm -hmm. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I graduated so cool. yeah, I graduated high school last year, so, so it's you're like Gen Z. You're Gen Z. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm Gen Z. Um and I felt that I would go to school in fear of like my school getting shot up. You know what I mean? And, like, I was in North Carolina, so, like, guns are very much more accessible and easy to get. Like, our high school had a shooting team, like, where you would stay after school and you could shoot guns. Okay. And it was, like, scary. I would grow, like, literally, I went to high school every day in fear. And did especially, they, huh? Did they ever have any accidents at school? I mean, like, I don't accidents? think so. And I was okay. always concerned about that. I was, like, wow. I asked so many questions when I heard about the shooting team. I was, like, that's really a thing. Wow. Yeah, so... Like, I grew up in that fear and, like, worrying, like, is there, like, that sketch kid, like... Yeah, having a bad day and then... Yeah. yeah. Sliding in with the... the and then, like, you go home and then hear on the news that, like, somebody, 17 people died at, like, a high school. Like, yeah. not too far away. It's like, what is going on? So, for me, that comes down to, like, the parents and educating their child properly as well as having their mental health assessed. Like, you can't just absent-minded parent. You have to be 120% hands-on with your kids, especially if you're going to provide them with a gun. Mm -hmm. You know, if dad and, and his son or, or daughter or whatever yeah. go hunting, this young person needs to have the proper gun safety mm -hmm. uh, knowledge and also a mental health evaluation. And it, they need to be watched by the parents 
comes down yeah. a lot of it to the parents. Yeah, for sure. And made sure that like this kid's not going to just go off and shoot people. There's a lot of times there's signs before that something is wrong here. And at that point, they don't need to have access to any guns. Yeah. No, no adolescent can get a gun without a parent's consent. Mm -hmm. So it really does come down to the parents. Now, I know there are guns acquired off the street, which like young yeah. Zachary in the story that I told you, um, or a 3D printer or whatever. I'm not even sure what that is. Or can 3D sticks. print guns? I yeah. think so. What? But I mean, that, that kind of stuff is like, well, there had to be somebody that knew like this young person was getting access to mm -hmm. these things. And perhaps he's got some anger issues mm -hmm. prior to this. And, and people need to just stop turning a blind eye. You know, yeah. there are certain things that are not like, okay and we cannot just sweep it under ignore the rug. Yeah, instead of like looking at mental health, we ignore it. Yeah, no, we need to we need to take into account mental health. Like, I understand yeah. it as mm -hmm. well, you know, because yeah. there's a lot of stigma that goes with mental health and yeah. like, it's just another sickness, you know, like there are people out there that are untreated and a lot of the homeless population. I mean, I see people all the time walking down the street just like, screaming or just you know this like it's all mental health yeah. it's all mental health and a lot of it i believe has to you know has come from drug addiction and the delusions of you know like being under the influence you know um i i started my addiction at age 12 you know and it scares the shit out of me mm -hmm. to have two 14 year olds hoping that they're not going to get caught up in the same track of lifestyle yeah. that i took you mm -hmm. know because I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> you know, I've already dealt with it with me, mm -hmm. I, you know, and, and I fear for my kids, you know, like, are they going to join up with the wrong crowd? Are they going to get, you know, uh, offered? But know? I, f yeah, for sure. That's always a worry and always a possibility. But I feel like you're, you're like, I think you're doing pretty good if you're like even worrying about that, you know? Yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> it's, it's on the forefront of your mind. Yeah, because you know? my parents never wanted to like kind of, I grew up with not, they didn't like therapy, didn't believe in therapy, thought it was weird, like, just figure Weakness. it out. Yeah, yeah like, the, the stigma with it, you know? You so know, it's like, um, I feel like you'd be want to be willing to provide that, you know? So I think... Of course. And I talk to my children. They know what I do, and they know what I'm involved with. And they, mm -hmm. you know, they, they're really on board with, you know, looking up to me as a father figure, which was something I never had, you know? Like, they actually uh, like what dad's doing, you know what I mean? And I mean, you know, I let them see that, hey, this is what I'm involved with, and mm -hmm. we're trying to get in the schools, and they said, that's really cool, dad, you know? And, like, I think my kids, my kids for the most part, are good kids, you know? They, they always tell me, hey, I got an A, or, you know, I got my B-plus up to an A and stuff, and I always just try and... Just be positive with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I I don't let allow them to hit each other. They're twins. They're they're fourteen. Mm. They've lived in the same room since they were kids. Mm -hmm. But just even a punch, I tell I tell one of the other, don't hit my kid. And he's like, wait, Dad, I'm your kid too. And I said I would tell somebody the same thing. About yeah. You. you know, like I don't I don't allow. You know, like some people will just allow their kids to fight. Or yeah, fight. dude, I've, I've I don't do some... it at all because I think if that's what they're taught in the home then it's just a matter of time when they go to school and they hurt somebody, yeah. you know, or that's, that's the solution. To me, violence is never the solution. Yeah. You know, never. I was a victim of teenage violence and abuse and all these things, and I turned to drugs, and my life did not turn out mm -hmm. the way that my mother had planned, I'm sure, you know, but um, like I said, I grew up without a father, and I was always looking for uh, somebody to fill that position, and it wasn't 
wasn't something I could I could find in my you know. We need to normalize mental health and it being okay to acknowledge your mental health and the mental health of your children. Um, I have a four-year-old and a nine-year-old and my nine-year-old is in therapy. She's also in equine therapy where she gets to work mm. with horses. Yeah. And my four-year-old, you best believe when she turns five and they allow it, I'm going to have her in therapy. I already have yeah. a therapist picked out. She's great. She does play therapy with them and just it's an extra adult that they can trust you know and and we need to talk to our children be their friend and their parent but make sure you know what your friend's doing you know who they're going out with you know where they're at like if my kids go to somebody else's house like i want to know their parents mm -hmm. i want to know that their guns if they have them are locked up that there's a parent around that is responsible and talking to their child and knowing what's going on with their child's mental health mm -hmm. um just so much more that we can do as parents rather than turning a blind eye and just thinking, oh, it'll grow away. They'll grow out of it. I mean, oh. usually it just grows and festers and turns yeah, into a, sure. you know, explodes into a just disaster. And, you know, we really could prevent a lot by being there more. And unfortunately, I get it. Like we have single parents. They've got to work two jobs. This is that. But. Yeah, 100%. It takes a village, and, and we're here. This is the village. The village is here. Just call us. Send us an email. Drop us yeah. a, a, a And then if you, if you want to look at the root of it, of like, say, why is a parent raising their kid like that? It's probably the same way they were raised. You yeah. know what I mean? And I feel like there needs to be something for parents out there as well. We also invite parents. Um, so another part of Safe at My House is parenting classes. Mm. You know, we, we want to promote uh, parents and child working together on fun activities and doing things together. When we threw the uh, Young Entrepreneurs Art Festival and the Zombie Bash, you best believe the parents were there helping them set up. The parents <laughs> came, they visited the other kids' booths, and they were super involved. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and off, always we, we encourage parental consent and parental involvement, of course, because healthy children start from healthy families. So For definitely sure. something that we're, we're into is provide, or creating healthy families. I love it. I love it. She was speaking <laughs> childhood therapy. I have a friend who uh, has her two-year-old in play therapy. And what whatever, is play therapy? I don't know, but I want it. <laughs> <laughs> I want play therapy. You know, like, I think because the child is so young, they're able to see signs of, of problems, like problems arising with mm. the child. Because the child came from a broken home. There was violence uh, through the father. And so CPS got involved. And the mother takes her child to the, to the play therapy to see that there's not something else going on when he has visitation with the father. Mm. You know, so like if there's some kind of acting out or some kind of whatever, I guess the therapists are able to see through how the child plays uh, what's going on. You know, like and they and they can actually, you know, like intervene and say like there's something else going on that we don't know about. You know, because. So many people I meet today that are in drug addiction, it's all childhood issues a lot of times, you know, uh, molestations, uh, early sexual experiences that they're not, you know, equipped for. You think you think substance abuse happens with like childhood things like it causes it a little bit? I, I don't want to say causality comes from that, but, you know, I think a lot of us are predetermined to be drug addicts yeah. like they teach us. Mm -hmm. But 
I do believe also that some of the factors of our childhood, you know, we're, we're unable right. to deal with negative emotions when we're developing into, into adolescence. And, you know, like I said, I started at age 12. Mm-hmm. And mine was fed to me like, try this, try this, try this. I looked up to the person that was giving it to me and I would try anything and everything. Now, if that happens today, everything's laced with fentanyl, mm. you know? And I mean, I just, I, it scares the shit out of me to think about like if kids are getting that same type of influence from an older friend, mm-hmm. relative, person in the home, whatever, or maybe there's something just lying around, you know? And like, it's really, it's really sad. And I don't even understand the whole aspect of putting fentanyl in everything, you know? I mean, like, it's are you killing off your clientele? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it's this population control. I mean, I have no mm. idea what what it is. I really think it was, I think the initial, I'm guessing the initial point of it was to make it more addictive. So you keep coming back. Right, if you don't die. Backfiring, yeah. Because it is is like the smallest amount, a match head or so, will kill a person, Mm -hmm. you know? And especially as somebody who isn't in a tolerant type of, you know, like in their addiction where they have a tolerance, you know? Like an opiate addict can do some some fentanyl and and probably not die. But somebody who has never had anything like that, or say somebody who wants to do cocaine, and I'm not saying that that that's a good thing mm-hmm. either but like it can get it can be less like i just had a friend a few months ago pass away from doing cocaine exactly. right yeah, yeah and, i had somebody tell and, me and also what what i'm working towards too is the education of that of what to do if that happens because some some people will just freak out leave the person you know, or not know that you can actually revive somebody. Yeah, spread the information right now. That's what, so um, Narcan. Narcan mm-hmm. is something that, um, you know, you can get pretty readily today. We're, mm-hmm. I'm trying to actually get it, you know, more readily available. I know they're putting it in some schools, having it on campus because they've had fentanyl overdoses. I mean, everyone that I hear from that even speaks about a fentanyl overdose, I put Narcan in their hand and I say, use it. Because you can save a life today. You can. Mm-hmm. You know, mouth to mouth, chest compressions, get 911 on the phone, do something. Mm-hmm. Um, people can come back, you know, from, mm-hmm. from a fentanyl overdose. You know, it's a temporary thing if you act quickly. But if you just, you know, there's so many times when people die alone. You yeah. Know, and that's really what, uh, or people get scared and they yeah. don't want to do anything about it, you know, and uh, or they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So educating people is something that is super important in my world, you know. For sure. Especially living in a sober living where I have 20 men mm. under my thing. You know, you never know what kind of journey somebody's on. You never know when somebody's in their last 30 days of their life, you know, where yeah. they're on that path where they're ready to make that decision and they don't care about the consequences, really. You mm-hmm. know, because as drug addicts, a lot of times... The drug is more important than the consequences or the, sure. or getting rid of the feelings that they're going through. Say they go through a breakup or loss of job or maybe a death of a family member or something like that. And they say they have no solution. So they turn back to drugs. Yeah. And after a period of sobriety, if it's laced with fentanyl, it's probably going to kill you. Yeah. You know, you have no tolerance. You're just like a brand new clean system. And, you know, just the smallest amount will kill you. So, yeah, Narcan is like something that is Save available fuck the, stigma, fuck you know, the stigma make it make it make it available do you guys you have it can here 
got oh, you some. I don't know if we have it in the Ooh, house. We got you some Narcan. <laughs> Um, another thing about Narcan, though, is I dealt with an overdose situation of a young teen in my home, and um, it was actually a family member, and I knew that I had Narcan, because he, he supplies everybody mm -hmm. with Narcan, so I had Narcan, but I did not know how to use it. Mm. So I thought that there was another piece that you popped onto the other end. I didn't realize that that was the, whole, the Narcan. Yeah, the so whole thing. I mean, I could have been that extra support for that person, you know, a few minutes sooner than when the ambulance got there, but I did not know how to use yeah. it. So also on safeatmyhouse.org, uh, we have Narcan awareness um, in our blogs, and it does tell you how to properly use it and give you some information about Narcan. I'll come out and teach you how to use it. You know? Yeah. We'll send, any, we'll send any, a mentor out to teach you. <laughs> in each box, there's a user guide as well. You know? Yeah. So like, uh, what I like to do is I like to take the doses out. There's two doses and just tack them on the wall so they're like readily available. Mm. So you don't even have to fumble for the box. You don't put it in a box or a drawer somewhere. You don't even have to think I about mean, it. Yeah, it's just it's there. Right you there. know where it you know, is. Almost like uh, in case of fire, break glass. You know, your emergency thing is right there. Yeah. And, you know, you're the fire extinguisher. Right. That's also a wall. Super, super a narcan <laughs> Super easy way to, to administer. And um, it could save a life, you mm -hmm. know, rather than, you know, because minutes, as the minutes go by that your brain doesn't have oxygen, yeah. you can go brain dead and you can actually turn into a vegetative state. And that, that would be. The ultimate consequence for one one just one bad decision you know what i mean yeah. and i say fuck the stigma about well they're just drug addicts you know they deserve it Bullshit. Yeah. you know Bullshit. What I mean? like save a life you know you never know when someone accidentally gets a hold of this stuff and could could lose their life over it it's crazy know? like it's not even like justin say you're using marijuana like they say they're putting it in everything yes marijuana included yes yeah. marijuana <laughs> included <laughs> literally like you could go to the even from like the dispensaries i feel oh, like they're vape. in them i think i heard yeah maybe the vapes and stuff too yeah, yeah. i don't know yeah but um sure. I, don't, I don't use any of that stuff anymore <laughs> um ever since fentanyl came on the scene i'm like eh, you know it's, what it's crazy i didn't know what fentanyl i don't know what fentanyl was until i came to treatment i didn't know like that that was like a, i was probably taking fentanyl yeah like i i got duis and my blood was drawn they were like there's no xanax in here i don't know what you were doing and it's just like what the fuck was i taking then oh they're putting in xanax yeah. i mean they're making these fake crest pills mm -hmm. with fentanyl that look like xanax yep. but they're home pressed mm -hmm. somebody has a pill press they're taking fentanyl they're making it into look like xanax or other pill forms and they're pushing this shit on the streets and then people are overdosing without even knowing it yeah they think they're taking xanax and or whatever and they're overdosing on it and they're dying because a lot of these people are young kids and yeah. what does a young kid know what to do when somebody dies i mean they're going to split usually mm -hmm. you know taking action is so important you yeah. know getting 911 on the phone i mean like no one goes to jail but someone may live and you won't be going to their funeral because like one death can affect so many people yeah. you know yeah I mean? especially a an untimely death like an overdose and, mm -hmm. a, and a young person um so or there's an adult yeah uh, um so there's this uh 
campaign. It's called Never Use Alone, and it comes with a phone number. And if you're using alone and you think you're getting close to an overdose, you can call this number and really? talk to these people. It's on our website. It's also on our so- social media, Never Use Alone. Hashtag Never Use Alone. <laughs> and um, they will call 911 for you. And since you're on the phone with them, I guess they already have access to your, you know, your location or however it works. Yeah, probably- but um, I work in a drug and alcohol detox and one of the clients told me that he overdosed, but he was on the phone with Never Use Alone. And thank God he's here. He's here oh, today. Yeah. Interesting. I like that. Um, there's also 988, which is Suicide yeah. Prevention Hotline. Mm-hmm. We also promote that on the website and on our social medias. Like there's so many resources out there that people really just don't, you don't have to go through it alone. Yeah. Like you you're, don't you're really not alone. Silence anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Like it's okay to have feelings and to be, and to cry and for men to have feelings and cry and boys. A lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of, uh, you oh, know, well, dads used to teach their sons, suck it up. Yeah. Well, you don't have to, it's okay. We're yeah. here for you. There's people out there for you that can help you. If you're going through something, just reach out. Fuck the stigma with men Fuck crying. Fuck the stigma on that one. Right. Yeah. I cry all the time. Yeah, dude. It's, it's it, you feel so good after. You really do. I feel like I've released things. Cleans- yeah, it cleanses. It releases mm-hmm. all those uh, built-up emotions. It kind yeah. of gets it out unless I, you move on to the next. Um, was there anything else you guys wanted to put out there? Um, I think we covered a lot of the bases. Right? Yeah. We're always we- just trying to pool resources with other nonprofits and people in recovery. Um you know, the more people we know, the more people we know kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, like, the more people we know and the more people we can help, the more people that we have other resources. And if this doesn't work, then we can call this place. Or, you know, like, Julie calls me all the time for whatever. And if I can't help, I know somebody that might be able to. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, I have a really extensive resource base, and that's really what I enjoy doing for this this program is, is really just, like, helping wherever I can. You know, never like, oh, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. If I don't know anything about it, I'll find somebody. Right. Yeah. You'll like I had up. a girl who needed to go into treatment, but she didn't want to go into treatment because her mother had mental health problems. And she's like, I have to care for my mother. And I said, well, let me figure that out for you. And I got her mom into a long-term uh, mental, mm-hmm. mental health stabilization care facility where she's taken care of, she's fed, she's clothed, she's sheltered. Now can you go into treatment? Yeah. I got rid of the roadblock for her so she could go into treatment and not have to worry about whether her mother was homeless on the streets or living in the car with her brother that was smoking fentanyl. Yeah. That was the solution that they had. Yeah. I said, no, this isn't right. You know, this is your mother. Let me, let me see what I can do for her. And it was, it was tough Mm -hmm. because I found a lot of roadblocks and there were a lot of roadblocks for people that weren't willing to help. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and weren't willing to go that extra mile for this one person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, I remember nurses were like, I, I take her to a, to a hospital because that's what I was told to do. And I tried to get resources from a hospital. And one of the nurses was like, and who are you? She said, you're phenomenal. And I said, no, I'm just, you know, <laughs> the guy, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just, Sorry she's got that. nobody else. I mean, who else is going to do it if not me? You know, they got two drug addicted children. And then the mother has mental health, but their solution was just to, just to continue their addiction. Yeah, they didn't know how. Like they didn't they know didn't, a way they out. They had no idea what. Yeah, to do. exactly. So me being in recovery, I'm I'm blessed 
with the fact that I actually have a clear mind today and I can actually help and not be super selfish and like, you know, into myself where I'm mm-hmm. just like, I don't have time for this, you know. And give them back, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I have back. to. Yeah. All about to. that 12 step. Right. <laughs> you, you know, it helps me more than it helps the other person really, because like I get mine from a higher power and it comes right through and I get to do things today that I could never do before. Okay, yeah, it's inspiring. Thank you guys for coming on and like sharing awesome. this. Thank yeah, you. Thank and you sharing for all having us. It. It's such a honor yeah. to meet you. <laughs> and like, oh, we got to meet. Fuck this. Is, uh, I'm like so right. Like, elated right now. This is so cool. All right, Love thank the you hair, guys. By the way, thank you. I, I, I meant to tell you that when I met you.